Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Well of water, as he was ministering to the woman of Samaria there in John chapter 4, he talked about a well. And he said, whoever believes on me, this well of living water will spring up within him. But now Jesus is standing here at this pivotal moment. This is an interesting time for him to interrupt a ceremony going on in the time of a feast where they, according to tradition, it says that they have a specific um, pouring out of waters in remembrance of the water that was brought to King David in the Old Testament when he said, I thirst for a drink of the water of the, the, the uh, well at Bethlehem and his soldiers were so intent to provide everything that they could for their leader that they fought through and won a victory enough to get water out of the well of Bethlehem and bring back a cup of water. And David was so moved by their sacrifice and by their willingness to serve that he said, this water is not worthy of me to drink it, and he poured it out as a drink offering to the Lord. According to tradition, that's what took place on this last day, the great day of the feast. They would draw water out of the well of Sihon or the spring of Sihon in the pool of Sint and bring it to a certain place in the city, and they would have the uh, Psalms of Ascensions and go up, and then they would pour out this drink offering to the Lord. And Jesus interrupts this ceremony to say, I am the drink offering. I am the living water. I am the water from the well of God. Amen. And, but he says something specific as he is, is declaring himself to be, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He's declaring himself to be the source of the living water. He said, whoever believes on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Not a well. He already identified the well in the life of a believer. But now he's talking about not one river, but he says rivers of living water will be flowing out of the innermost being of those people who believe on me. And verse 39 helps us identify specifically these rivers. It says he spoke of the Spirit, which those who believe on him should receive, for the Holy Ghost was not yet given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. That's a key for us. Because we're identifying what's the difference between the well and the river. What marks the difference between the waters that are going to be in the innermost being of the individual versus these waters that flow out of us like rivers, rivers of water. And he is speaking of the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given. Why? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. Look with me at Luke 24. Mm -hmm. 
Luke 24 and verse 49. Luke 24 and verse 49. And my intent tonight is to help us identify the help we need. The help that we need is available in the Holy Spirit and His working through us. Luke 24, 49, Jesus is speaking. These are the last red words in the chapter identifying these are the last words that Jesus spoke recorded by Luke before he ascended to the Father. So one of the last things that he wanted his disciples to know before he exited from his position here on this earth to go to his position at the right hand of the Father, this intent for him, this emphasis for him is that we know what we are to look for and to receive. He said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father, the promise of my Father upon, circle the word upon, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. He said, I will send what the Father has promised. I will send the promise of the Father. So whose idea is this? It's God's idea. Who's also in agreement with God's idea? Jesus. Jesus said, I will send the promise of the Father, and the promise of the Father will come upon you. The, Father, the promise of the Father will come upon you, and when the promise of the Father comes upon you, you will be endued. You will be equipped. You will be energized. You will be strengthened with power from on high. Acts chapter 1 records the same words of Jesus in this chapter as he is giving again his disciples last minute instructions before he is received up taken up and, and, and ascends to heaven. And so let's also compare what we see here. And we're going to begin in verse 4. Acts 1, let's begin in verse 4. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father, which he said you have heard of me. For John truly baptizes with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Now we know what the promise of the Father refers to. The promise of the Father is the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that you will be endued with power from on high. How? Because the Holy Spirit himself will come on you. Now Jesus is our example. We see Jesus at the river Jordan and when he steps out of being baptized in water, the heavens open up. It didn't say the clouds parted. It says the heavens were rent. R-E-N-T. Torn. God opened an opening in the atmosphere and when he did the power from on high descended upon Jesus. The, it wasn't a, a, a bird. It wasn't a dove. The Holy Spirit descended in bodily shape. 
He descended like a dove. He didn't swoop down like a predator, but he descended gently and elegantly. And he came upon Jesus. And Jesus, after the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the first miracle is recorded. Not before. Jesus wasn't healing turtles and, and butterflies as a little boy. Why? Because the worker of miracles had not come upon him yet. He came in the form and the fashion of a man. Legally redeemer. A legal, a legal redeemer. And he had to have the same equipment that God intended for you and I to operate in. And, and he exampled for us by receiving... He was already alive in his spirit. He was already alive unto God. The Holy Spirit already dwelt in him because the, the word became flesh. The, the life of God was already, already resident in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit came upon him. If, the, if Jesus, as our example, was led by the Spirit, how much more? As his disciples, do we need to depend on the leading of the Spirit? If Jesus was, was energized by the worker of miracles, how much more do you and I as his disciples need that same equipping and that same energizing of the Holy Spirit? So when he identified in John 4 that the Holy Spirit would be in us like a well of water, a well of water is speaking of something that is specific for that individual. Out of the, the well of water that each believer has because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of your spirit, the Bible says greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in our mortal body talking about the well talking about the indwelling of the spirit of God but evidently God didn't think that it was enough for us just to have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us he promised us something more he promised us an enduing of power from on high he promised us a baptism in a coming upon and he intended for every believer to not only have the Holy Spirit in them, but the Holy Spirit on them. What a difference the body of Christ would make if every member of the body of Christ eagerly embraced the promise of the Father. Not only to have the, the well of water providing the fruit of the Spirit, providing the characteristics of God, providing the love and the joy and the peace and the long-suffering and the meekness and the temperance and, and, and all of the characteristics of God. But not only that, but that we would be endued with power from on high. What a difference the body of Christ is going to make as every person embraces all that God has set aside for them. Amen? So Jesus identified specifically what is the promise of the Father, the baptism with the Holy Ghost, and he said, not many days from now. 
So we no longer teach anybody that we tarry for the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit has already been poured out. Nobody has to wait. Jesus was telling these people to wait, and he said not many days from now. So he knew that the time was close. He wasn't saying that it is a requirement for believers to tarry and tarry and tarry. If you want to teach people to tarry, buy them a ticket to Jerusalem because he specifically said, tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. It's not a, it's not a case anymore of waiting The Holy Spirit in chapter 2 and verse 1, let's read, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and the sound filled all the house where they were sitting And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set where? Upon. Circle it. Circle it. I need you to see how the Holy Spirit moves. He moves upon his people. He lights upon his people. Yes, he dwells in us. Yes, he guides us from within. Yes, he shows us things to come. Yes, he will guide us into all truth from the inside in our individual walk. But when we are gathered together singing, he comes upon us. When we are are seeking him in his word, he'll come upon us. Hallelujah. When we're laying hands on the sick he comes upon us he moves by coming upon us as well as moving on the inside of us individually the it says this fire set upon each of them and they were all filled 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 with the holy spirit with the holy ghost they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They already had the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. We saw from John chapter uh, 20 in when, let me go back and look because I want you to see specifically John and, and you can do with this what you will. John chapter 20 and verse Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. John chapter 20 When Jesus appeared to his disciples, verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. But none of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues because he told them all to wait for the promise of the Father, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So when he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost, we have evidence in Luke 24. Go back again to Luke 24 because we want the evidence, right? We have evidence they had the fruit of the Spirit because in Luke 24 it says they went back to the city with joy. And joy is the fruit of the Spirit. And so we have evidence then that they had the well. So Luke 24 in verse 52, they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. How'd they get the fruit of the Spirit? They received the Holy Ghost in their heart. They had already they had already believed on Jesus in the sense of following his teachings, but he had he had not yet poured out his blood and made a way possible. But when he returns and appears to them, he he says, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And they had great joy. They had great joy. So joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We know they have the indwelling. 
So when it comes to here in John, in, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them and fills them with the Holy Spirit, we would identify that this is this baptism in the Holy Spirit that Jesus told them to be waiting for. And then it says when they were filled with the Holy Ghost, what happened? They began to speak. They began to speak. They began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke, the Spirit gave them utterance. They spoke, the Spirit gave them utterance. The Spirit gave them the words to say, but they employed their mouth. They yielded to that prompting of the Holy Spirit when he came upon them and they began to speak out the words he was putting in their mouth. He did not overtake them and make them speak against their will. And he won't overtake any believer today and make them speak against their will. He will fill us and give us the words to speak. And if we will yield to his help and give these utterances from the Spirit of God himself, we will be able to speak some things into the atmosphere that even without our natural human knowledge, our authority and our voice will give words to some things that need to be uttered into the earth. We'll be able to pray some things. We'll be able to understand some things because he's helping us. Amen? And we need the help he has to give to us. Hallelujah. So it says here that they were filled and they began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, they came out of the upper room where they were and they came down into the street and people came together and it says they were confused because that every man, I'm reading verse 6, every man heard them speak in his own language. They didn't know the languages they were speaking, but they were speaking languages that other people could understand. And it says specifically some of the things that they were saying. It says in verse um, 12 or 11, it says, We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed. They heard them speak and they were glorifying God in tongues. Glorifying God. Can you glorify God in tongues? With the help of the Holy Spirit, have you ever been trying to worship God and you just can't seem to say exactly what's in your heart? Well, here's the limit lifter right here for you tonight. Just take that limit right off and let the Holy Spirit help you glorify Him. Let the Holy Spirit help you speak what's really in your heart because he can give you utterances. He can give you the, the words to speak accurately what's in your spirit. The Holy Spirit is teaching us words that we can speak. So they were filled and they began to speak and they were speaking the wonderful works of God. From this point, from this point, Every time church leaders found out 
that there was a revival or a, a people, a group of people being born again and saved, they immediately responded with having them receive the Holy Spirit in the baptism. Let's look at a couple of examples. Acts chapter 8, we see Philip had a, a move of God going on in Samaria. And he was seeing people saved. They were receiving the word. And it says they were having such a revival, they were burning things that they had used to, to witchcraft books and things like that. There was a significant uh, move of God. There were miracles uh, done as the, the evangelist Philip was ministering. And then it says in verse 14, when the apostles which were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God. Are they born again? They've received the word of God. They sent to them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them. What did they pray? They prayed that they would receive. They did not pray for the Holy Spirit to be given because the Holy Spirit had already been given. Jesus said, I'll send the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. So they weren't praying for, for God to give the Holy Spirit to these people. They were praying for these people to receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen where? Circle it again, upon, he was yet, as of yet, he was fallen upon none of them, only they that were baptized in the name of Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received, they received the gift that had already been given by God, this promise of the Father, this outpouring, this baptism in the Holy Spirit that Jesus spoke about in John chapter 7 that was waiting for him to be glorified before the Holy, before the Holy Spirit could be sent and poured out upon all flesh. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They received the Holy Ghost. Also, we see in Acts chapter 19, when the Apostle Paul is going through uh, specifically entering into a place in Ephesus and he comes across a group of believers and he immediately, upon encountering them, asks them in Acts 19.2, have you received, not has the Holy Spirit been given, have you received oh, wow. the Holy Ghost since you believed? And then he found out that they were still keeping it together under John's teaching and John's baptism. So he preached Jesus to them. And guess what happened when he preached Jesus to them? They got saved. And then what? It says in verse 6, when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. So they got saved. They got born again, baptized in Jesus' name, and then he laid his hands upon them, and the Holy Ghost came on them. And what happened when the Holy Ghost came on them with the baptism in the Holy Spirit? They spoke with tongues and prophesied. They just got saved. They just got saved, but they're prophesying. 
Because the gifts of the Spirit are up to the up to the Spirit. As the Spirit wills. He distributes severally as the Spirit wills. So it's not a, a, a badge of honor to operate necessarily in, in the gifts. It doesn't mean that you are more mature because they were just born again. Amen? As the Spirit wills. As the Spirit wills. And the Spirit began to move through them. They spoke with other tongues and they prophesied. Hallelujah. Now, because we've seen two examples where the Holy Spirit was received through the laying on of hands, I don't want you to limit God because he's not limited to that. That is a point of contact. That is a a means by which the, the Lord has chosen to be able to use leaders in the church to lay hands on people who desire to receive the Holy Spirit, but God's not limited to that because we have another example in Acts chapter 10. In verse 44, Peter was preaching to Cornelius and Cornelius's family. And there was a group with Peter who didn't even think Cornelius and his family could be saved because they weren't Jewish. And so as he is preaching to them in Acts chapter 10, as the word is going forward, now there was such a hunger in Cornelius. He desired to know how to be saved and had, had an angel tell him to send for Peter. And so God had to send a vision to Peter to get Peter to go with him because Peter was so in his mindset, Jew, non-Jewish people can't be saved, that God had to show him a vision and of the unclean and say, don't call unclean what I call clean, Right? And so then the Holy Spirit said, there are some men down at the gate, go with them. And so he went with them and he's standing there. So listen, he's standing there just preaching the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ. And they're receiving the way to be saved. And in the midst of the gospel being preached, verse 44 of Acts chapter 10 says, while Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. Where did he fall? On them. How does he move? He moves on his people. He moves on people. The Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why did they believe this? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. How were they magnifying God? With utterances of the Spirit. So we've now seen two examples of our speaking in tongues, our means of Magnifying God. Hallelujah. They heard them speak with tongues. And it convinced them they were saved. They were like, they can't have the Holy Spirit if they're not saved. They can't have the baptism in the Holy Spirit if they're not saved. So they must have got saved while the gospel was preaching, being preached to them. And now here they are speaking in other tongues with the same baptism in the fire and the Holy Spirit that we've received. And it made, it, it was an evidence to them. Hallelujah. But I wanted you to see that 
It was possible when a person is hungry and willing to receive all that God has. They weren't limited to hands being laid on them. They were open for all yes. that the Lord had equipped, had to equip them with. Amen? So what we see here is an emphasis. What I want you to recognize is that Jesus emphasized the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Father emphasized the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The early church leaders emphasized the baptism in the Holy Spirit because we need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He did not design for you and I to do and to know and to be all that he's called us to be with only a part of his equipment. He wants us to have the fullness of his spirit. He wants us to have the indwelling. He wants us to learn how to yield to the indwelling, how to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, how to understand the voice of the Spirit when He speaks to us individually. But He also wants you to be equipped with the fullness of His power. Go back to Acts chapter 8 and verse, uh, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 this time. Because Jesus made a specific uh, point in this verse. He said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you shall receive power. The word power is the Greek word dunamis, and I'll give you the definition right from the Strong's Concordance. It says the word power means force. It means strength. It means ability. And this is in the Strong's Concordance. The word dunamis means worker of miracles. You shall receive the worker of miracles when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You shall receive the worker of miracles. How are we going to do what he's equipped us to do, what he's called us to do? We need the worker of miracles. We need the worker of miracles. And he said, you shall receive the worker of miracles the force, the strength, the ability, the miraculous power when the Holy Ghost, after the Holy Ghost is come up on you. Hallelujah. And then you'll be witnesses unto me. The ability to be a witness unto him is through this partnership with the Holy Spirit. This fullness of the Holy Spirit. Witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the world, of the earth, city, state, nation, and world. Witnesses unto him. How? Because the Holy Spirit gives us the miraculous power. The worker of miracles has come upon us. Amen. Amen. So this emphasis is for every believer. Now let's go over to 1 Corinthians. And I want to look at chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You need this help. I need this help that he brings. I want to begin in verse 7. But we speak the wisdom of God... In a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. God ordained this wisdom for our glory. Mm-hmm. 
which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. You could say natural eye has not seen, natural ear has not heard. It hasn't entered into the natural understanding of man the things that God has prepared, but God has revealed them. God has revealed them. Say it with me. God has revealed them. Say it again. God has revealed them. How's he revealed them? By his spirit. God reveals the things that he has prepared for us by his spirit. And we won't know without his help all that we need to know. There's a reason the way the Apostle Paul prayed in Ephesians when he said that they would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because without the wisdom and revelation working by the spirit in the life of the believer, they won't know what is the hope of his calling. They won't know what are the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. They won't know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe except it's revealed to us by His Spirit. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to see these intricate parts of our inheritance. Amen? Amen. These things that belong to us now, things God has prepared for us. We need to know what God has prepared for us, but we're not going to get it with reasoning. And we're not going to get it with Dr. Phil. And we're not going to get it through a talk show or a radio co-host. It's not going to come through natural understandings. It's going to come as we depend upon and rely upon the revelations that come through the utterances of the Spirit of God. So he has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of a man which is in him? You know what's in your heart. And the Holy Spirit knows what's in God's heart. And when you begin to confer with him, you'll find out what's in God's heart. You'll know what God needs you to know. You'll know the details about the plan that God has for your life. The more time you spend with the Holy Spirit, the more you learn to receive of his revelation and his understanding. And when we pray in the Spirit, we are praying these supernatural spiritual utterances that help us move into the understandings that he has for us. Verse 12, Now we have received... Not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God that we might know. This is why we have received the fullness of the spirit that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. He wants us to know. Do you want to know? I want to know. You want to know? He wants you to know. How do we know it? It, It's by revelation. It's by the Spirit. He has given us His Spirit so that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also... Now here we go. This is our part. 
Which things also we speak. Do you see that you are the authorized witness on the earth? You're the, you're the one who gives testimony on the earth. God can't save you without your part. God can't save you without you believing in the heart and speaking out of your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Right? And, and there are some other things God's not going to be able to do without your giving witness to it, without your verbal authorization. And so he, we're not limited to try to figure out what we need to say with our mind. Thank you, Jesus. But we speak these things that he has freely given to us that we just found the Holy Spirit shows us. We speak these things not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but words which the Holy Ghost teaches. Words which the Holy Ghost teaches. Words... Your mind may not understand them, but the Holy Spirit is putting words in your mouth. He's giving you utterances. And what are you doing? You're speaking these things that are freely given to us of God. Words which the Holy Ghost teaches comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness unto him. And that's why too many people have disqualified themselves from the fullness of the Spirit, from the promise of the Father, because they want to lean to the natural. They don't want to yield to their, their life in Christ and allow the life in Christ to lead them into the fullness of the Spirit and they lean towards the natural way of seeing things. And they lean towards the natural understanding. And they can't understand. It says they are spiritually discerned. The word discern means to realize, to examine, to investigate, to scrutinize, to check closely. Spiritually discerned. Spiritually discerned, spiritually examined, spiritually investigated. How are you going to investigate things spiritually? How are you going to investigate things spiritually? How are you going to, to determine the, the right piece of land to buy? How are you going to determine which is the right person to marry? How are you going to determine what's the, if it's right for you to take that promotion or not? What, how are you going to determine? Are you going to determine it because of the money with it? Well, then money's leading you. We don't want to be led by money. We want to be led by the Spirit. How am I going to investigate and examine these things? I've got to pull them over into a spiritual place. I've got to pray over them in the Spirit. Hallelujah. So these things are, are investigated or examined spiritually. He that is spiritual judges all things. The word judge is the same word. That means to examine, to investigate, to scrutinize, to check closely. He, is, he that is spiritual examines, investigates, scrutinizes. Hallelujah. That's one of the things that we do. We just don't say, yeah, I'll do it without checking our heart. Yeah. And letting the Holy Spirit 
uh, uh, speak through us and give us words to say over that situation and take that matter to the Lord in prayer until we know we have peace about it. Uh, this is something that we've got to recognize that when I'm spiritual, I'm not impulsive. There may be things if the Holy Spirit tells me to do it, it's not impulsive of me to obey him immediately. But I'm not impulsive just to jump out and do something. I'm not impulsive just to make a, a, a buying decision or to, to jump out and, and, and sign on the dotted line without having peace, having investigated and examined that thing. Hallelujah. I'm helping you right there. You, that right there was worth you combing your hair and coming to church tonight. That right there was worth it. Because if we're going to be spiritual, we've got to find peace. And if we don't have peace, I'm not moving. Amen. If I don't have peace about it, if I don't have the witness, and if I don't know the witness, then that's my homework. Amen. If I don't yet know how to identify peace and identify that green light that the Holy Spirit wants me to have, then that's my homework. I don't need to be making any life-changing decisions until I learn how to identify that peace, how to live in a, a constant place of, of rest and peace in my spirit so that nothing troubles me, that nothing causes me to be disquieted. The Apostle Paul said, and this is the Amplified Version, he said, I have learned how not to be disquieted. It's something we've got to learn, how, not to, how to maintain this inner peace because that's my leading. Yes. And if I don't know it, how am I going to know it when he's telling me go, when he's telling me yes? And so that's one of the things that the Lord said to us back in October. He said, know the leading with a certainty. Yes. And so that means I've got to know peace. And I've got to guard my peace and I've got to maintain that peace so that no matter what's going on around me, no matter what's happening, I can always check right here and find out, is it green or red light? I can always be right here and he's, he's, I've got my frequency tuned in. If there's a lot of chaos and drama always going on in your life, you are putting yourself at a disadvantage of hearing the leading of the Spirit of God. Because that chaos and that drama and all of that turmoil, it clouds your hearing. It, it makes your reception of the frequency of God, it makes it fuzzy. Y'all remember when we used to have to use the, the AM or the FM dial and you would, you would go through and you would find it and sometimes the signal was weaker than other times and you'd be trying to get that signal in and it was all kind of fuzzy and parts of it were coming in and then a trucker would go by and his CB radio would cut in over your frequency or whatever. We don't want that in our, in our hearts when we're trying to follow God. We've got too many things that are vitally important for us to get it right the first time, for us to not have to, to spend two weeks figuring out, is that God or is it not? We need to have such a clarity in our spirit, and peace is required to have that clarity. That was all extra. Praise the Lord. So we understand that to be spiritual, I'm going to have to learn how to investigate. I'm going to have to learn how to examine, and I'm going to have to learn how to examine things in a spiritual way. So go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
1 Corinthians 14. Now, let's identify the intent of the big picture of the letter of 1 Corinthians. There were areas that the church in Corinth were out of balance, and there were a lot of things the Apostle Paul was setting in order and bringing back into balance. And one of the things was that the church at Corinth was very zealous with their gifts. They had the gifts of the Spirit in operation, but they were allowing the operating of the gifts to a point that it was not edifying the church. So I want you, whenever you read 1 Corinthians 14, to look for the words edify or edification. Because when he brings clarity, he brings it to their motive. And he says to them, he says, let it all be done to the edifying of the church. If you're operating in the gifts, if you're giving words, if you're speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, whatever you're yielding to these gifts, let it be for the purpose of edification. So with that being said, there are some important things for us to learn from this time of him setting some things in order that aren't necessarily the the thing that he was uh, uh, dealing with, but we're going to get some some meat off of his bones, okay? First verse of chapter 14, follow after charity. And that word means like a hunter follows its prey. Now we know that 1 Corinthians 12, he listed the gifts of the Spirit, He listed the gifts of the Spirit and then he begins to talk about the body and the members of the body. And the emphasis was on that the Holy Spirit divides severally as he wills, but then he goes right into talking about the body of Christ so that we can all see none of us are lone rangers with great, uh, uh, it's all about my gifts and all about how he uses me. It's supposed to be a unity in the body. Amen? And then he says, I want you, and and this is the very last verse of chapter 12. He said, I want you to desire the best gifts, but yet I show you a more excellent way. And then he spends the entire next chapter talking about the importance of love. Then he says, even if I speak with the tongues, the tongues of men and angels, so it's possible to speak with the tongues of foreign tongues or heavenly tongues, angels, even if I do that, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. I'm useless. If I have faith to move mountains, but I don't have love, if I give all all my goods to feed the poor, but I don't have love, if I give my body to be burned, but I don't have love, so he's emphasizing love is the, the most important part to have in place before you begin to flow with the Spirit. Why? Because we need the edification. We need the right motive. And there are, there are people who in their um, youth or in their uh, being naive about it or not being matured spiritually, they get like those people we saw in Acts 19 who prophesied right after they got saved, right? Saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. And people are used of God and think, look at me. Did you see how I just, I just gave that word and it was right on? Did 
can see. And they think they did that. But the Holy Spirit, the worker of miracles, he is the one working the gifts. We're just his instrument. We're just his instrument. This, this piano isn't all that and a bag of chips by itself. Because I could pluck on this thing and it's not going to impress anybody in this room. But if somebody who knows what they're doing gets up there behind those keys and, and begins to minister to the Lord, the piano can't take the glory. And I can't take the glory for how the Holy Spirit uses me with his gifts. Amen? So that's why he was saying, let love be your motive. Let love be your foundation. Now, so he said, follow after love. And desire, I want you to desire, hear me. God wants us to desire spiritual gifts. He wants us to desire the flow of the Spirit in the church. He wants us to desire the flow of the Spirit in our personal lives. He wants us to desire it because He's not going to make anything happen against your will. If you don't want to be used, you won't be. So desire. He said, I want you to desire spiritual gifts. Now then he says, but rather that you prophesy. He's talking about in the church, in, in the moving of the, the spirit in the church, that you would prophesy. Remember edification? Edification. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. Now here's where I want us to realize what happens when I speak in tongues? Yes, he's bringing a clarification to what they're doing in the service, but you and I need to know when I speak in tongues, I'm speaking to God. God understands me. I may not understand me, but God knows exactly what I'm saying. So if I bring my faith to yield to the words the Holy Ghost is giving me to utter, I'm speaking to God. Amen. He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks unto God, for no man understands him. Now here's another key. Howbeit in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. In the Spirit, did we just see from chapter 2 that we don't speak with the wisdom of man's wisdom, but with the wisdom that the Holy Spirit gives? It says, when I speak in tongues, I'm speaking to God, and I am speaking mysteries. Can you show me amplified of verse 2? And go ahead and push it to the, the back part of, of verse 2. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. For one who speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands or catches his meaning, because in the Holy Spirit he utters... Secret truths. I need those secret truths coming out of my mouth. You need those secret truths. We need those. Amen. We're not going to be able to fulfill all in the same pattern that God has designed without them. Amen. We need to be uttering the secret truths and the hidden things not obvious to the understanding. Just because they're not obvious to my understanding doesn't make them any less powerful when they come out of my mouth. 
My understanding doesn't energize the words I say. My faith energizes the words I say. If I don't understand it, there's a lot of things I don't understand. I don't understand how my car works, but I drive it. I don't understand how that plane flies, but I'll fly in one. Amen. I don't understand how those things happen, but yet I will utilize it. And I don't have to understand the words that are coming out of my mouth for me to be able to release my faith in them. I can understand this. I'm talking to God and I'm speaking truth. And things that are not obvious to my understanding, but they need to be uttered out of my mouth. Hallelujah. 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 Verse 4. He that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. But he that prophesies edifies the church. So remember, the emphasis of the 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 letter to the church at Corinth was to help them set some things in order that they had out of order. But we're looking at this and we're saying, you mean to tell me that when I speak in tongues, something happens to me? When I speak in in tongues, something happens to me spiritually. And I need that. I need what happens to me spiritually when I speak in tongues. I can't get this any other way. There's no drive-through. There's no order online that can get for you what you receive when you speak with tongues. You edify yourself. That's a spiritual edification that there's no duplicate for. There's no replacement for it. It's designed specifically by God to be something that the Holy Spirit provides and the devil cannot manipulate or interrupt. If I will yield to speaking in tongues as the Holy Spirit gives me utterance, then I will edify myself spiritually by this yielding, by this obedience. It says, he that speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Can I see the amplified of this one as well? Hallelujah. I need what he, the help he has. I need to be able to speak some truths that are not obvious to my understanding. I need these mysteries. Why? Because then I'm not limited to what I know. I don't know everything I need to know. But he knows. And he knows what I need to say. It says, he who speaks in a strange tongue edifies. Oh, I need that improvement too. Aren't you glad for the Amplified? We not only get edified, we get improved. Here's the new and the improved you. You just come out of the time of praying in the Holy Spirit for 30 minutes and and you are new and improved. He that speaks in a tongue edifies and improves himself. Hallelujah. We need that. Now, again, the emphasis is is in the church. The whole church needs to be edified, so let there be prophesying unless there is tongues and an interpretation of tongues which will equal prophecy. It will have the same result as prophecy. It will edify. Amen? But in our lives, in our personal lives, we need this edifying. We need this strengthening and this improvement. You know... um, Another scripture that 
identifies that improvement. Hold your place here in 1 Corinthians 14 because I'm not done, but let's look at Jude. Because Jude, one chapter in the book of Jude, verse 20, but you, beloved, building up yourselves, building up yourselves, building up yourselves on your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Ghost. Build up yourself. The Amplified says, rise like an edifice higher and higher. Make progress. Make progress. So when I pray in tongues, I make progress. Build yourself up. Make progress. Rise like an edifice, a building higher and higher. Hallelujah. I'm praying in tongues and laying another floor on top of my building. I'm working on a building, working on a building, working on a building for my Lord, for my Lord. I'm working on something. Listen, you've got to talk to your flesh when your flesh is like, I'm just wasting my time here praying in tongues and I'm just babbling and I'm just making these noises. No, no, no. I'm praying answers. I'm praying mysteries. I'm praying truths. I'm uttering things that need to be uttered into my life. I am building myself up. I am rising like an edifice. I am making progress. Hallelujah. Back to 1 Corinthians 14. And I'm almost done right here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 14. Oh, let's begin in verse 12. Even so ye, for as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. There it is again, edifying. Make that your motive. Seek that you may excel in these spiritual gifts to the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speak in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. You are all authorized to pray that. You are authorized to ask God, when I pray in tongues, Lord, let me know what I'm praying. Why? Let him that speaks in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays. Is that in your Bible? When you pray in tongues, your spirit prays. God hears and understands. Your spirit prays. God hears. God understands. You're praying in line with God's will. Hallelujah. When I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. Else when you shall bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned say amen at your giving of thanks, seeing he understands not what you say? For you verily or truly give thanks well. When you pray in tongues, when you're worshiping in tongues, he said you're giving thanks well if you're blessing God in the Spirit. We've seen now three examples. We saw from Acts chapter 2 that when they spoke in tongues, they spoke of the mighty works of God. 
We saw in the other example when they spoke with tongues and magnified God in Acts chapter 10. And now we see that when you speak in tongue and you bless God in the spirit, you give thanks well. Not that that's to be in the pulpit so that other people, their understanding is unfruitful. But when I'm praying and worshiping God in my personal time, I'm giving thanks well. Amen? So he was bringing this emphasis. And then the Apostle Paul said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. He was identifying, I yield to this help of the Holy Spirit. But in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding. Why? For the edifying of the church. So again, the purpose of the letter was that they were standing up, praying in tongues, and people were walking out scratching their heads going, I didn't get anything. I don't know what they said. They looked like they were in the spirit or something, but I didn't get anything. Nobody's faith was being built. They weren't having clarification about what God was doing because people were out of order. But yet we need the flows of the Holy Spirit with our order. And we need to edify ourselves by speaking in other tongues. We need to glorify God with tongues. We need to truly give thanks well, blessing God in the Spirit. We need those things. We just need them in the right place. We just need them in order. Amen? Now, last but definitely not least is Romans chapter 8. This is my, my second or third close, but it's my final one. And then we'll, we'll receive God's offering and rejoice in Him. I need the help the Holy Spirit brings to me with His fullness. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. The word infirmities is the word weakness. It does not in any way, shape, or form refer to a sickness in this verse in the Greek. The word is a word that means weaknesses. The Spirit helps our weaknesses. And then there's a colon. And a colon is going to let us know that there's something on the other side of that colon that is equal to uh, or an explanation of what was on the left-hand side of the colon. For we know. Now, this is our weakness. He's telling us our weakness. This is the weakness the Holy Spirit helps us. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Anybody can testify to that? Have you been trying to pray for something and you prayed everything your mind knew to pray? You prayed everything that you knew in the natural? You threw every scripture you knew at it? You, you threw every, every you know, it, it, uh, instruction you could think of? Angels go forth, send laborers across their path. You know, you were praying all of the things that you knew in the natural, but you did not sense that anything was being changed or any headway was being made because we don't know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us 
with groanings which cannot be uttered. He's not going to pray for you while you sleep. Amen. He's not, he's not making this intercession for us without us. Oh, well, I'm just going to go to sleep and let the Holy Spirit do all my praying for you. No, no, no. He needs your voice. He needs your cooperation to give utterance because your voice is the verbal authorization on this planet for your life. He needs your voice. He needs your participation. He's not going to pray for you without you. He's going to pray for you through you. The Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And that's an indicator there of our speaking in tongues, of our our bringing forth these utterances. Can I see the Amplified? Verse 26. And while you're pulling up the Amplified, I'm going to read to you the Weist, Kenneth E. Weist translation. Uh, It says, For the particular thing that we should pray for, According to what is necessary in the nature of the case, we do not know with absolute knowledge. That particular thing, we don't know. But here is another limit lifter. Just because I don't know doesn't mean I can't pray for it. And if I pray for it, I believe I receive it. I'm going to follow up my praying in tongues with a, with a declaration of I believe what I just prayed in tongues. I receive it according to Mark chapter 11. I believe I receive it. Don't have to know it to release my faith that I have it. So the Amplified says, The Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weaknesses, for we we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought, but the Spirit Himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with groanings, unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit. So when you are trying to pray for a situation and you do pray what you know, release your faith with what you know, but then you go to your helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, and you say, Holy Spirit, I yield my words to you. And I begin to speak in tongues. And when I begin to speak in tongues, I maintain my spiritual focus. I don't start thinking about my grocery list. And I don't start thinking about I need to go put the clothes in the dryer. And I don't start thinking about, oh my gosh, I forgot to iron that for, for, for Lily in the morning. I, I don't start thinking about those things. I, I pull my flesh over and I keep my under my spirit and I keep focused on, because uh, I believe I'm working in partnership with the Holy Spirit. I believe that he's giving me the words to pray about this situation that I don't know the right thing to pray, but I don't have to limit this situation to my knowledge because I have his help. We need his help. We need his help. Verse 27, And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He makes intercession according to the will of God. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you are praying the perfect will of God about your situation. You are already praying the will. You know what that means? Answered. Answered. 
uh, it comes away with the answered stamp right on it. Why? Because I prayed his will. This is the confidence I have in him. I know if I ask anything according to his will, I have the petition I desired. If I pray in the Holy Spirit, I walk away with the answered stamp on my prayer. We need our faith on this. We need to bring our faith and, and the, the emphasis of, of our faith in this is that we pray in the Spirit. Amen. That's the evidence that you believe what you've heard tonight is that you leave out of here tonight and you give time every day to praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, Pastor Nancy uses an example in another, in another uh, teaching, but I'm going to use it here. She said, if, if I were to go into this town and the pastor wants to take me and show me the sights around this region, then uh, I look at the pastor and I say, I've got 20 minutes. Well, then he can only take me 10 minutes out and get me 10 minutes back. And that's all he can show me is whatever is within 10 minutes of that location. And if we only give the Holy Spirit five minutes on the way to work and we're already distracted and we're not really releasing our faith, we only pray in tongues when we feel the Spirit really heavy or we only pray in tongues when, when uh, we hear a song that stirs us up, well, then He can only pray through us whatever time we're yielding our mouth to Him. So if you want to see more of the will of God, prayers answered in your life, give Him more time. Give Him specific time. Give Him uninterrupted time. Give Him your attention during that time. Release your faith in what you're doing. Recognize that this is my help. He is my helper. And this is a help that He brings to me that is spiritually edifying me. It's building me up. It's making me progress. I'm praying the perfect will of God. I'm uttering things that my mind doesn't know, but they are truths that are going to impact my family and impact my health and impact my finances. Hallelujah. And we know that all things work together for good. Do you know this verse starts with and? And is a conjunction. And a conjunction... Conjunction, junction, what's your function? What the conjunctions do? The rail cars, it joined the rail cars, right? So you can't pull this verse out and use it to explain a tragedy. It's not connected to a tragedy. It's connected to praying with the Holy Spirit's help, the will of God. That's when we know all things work together for good. When? When the Holy Spirit has prayed through me the perfect will of God and uttered through me the prayers that are right for that situation. That's when I know all things work together. All things aren't working together for everybody. They're working together when I have yielded to my help in prayer. We know, and we know that all things work together. All things work together for good. The Amplified uses the phrase, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God. 
Hallelujah. How is God a partner in my labor? Verse 26 and 27 and 28. That's how he's a partner in my labor. He's a partner in my labor because he's prayed through me. What an advantage. I mean, that's like going in to take a test with the answer key. I got the answer key. I've got the fullness of the spirit. What is there that I can't find out? I know the one who knows everything. And he, he speaks to me and he can reveal things to me. So there's nothing I can't know. If I need to know it, it's there for me. But I've got to go to him and I've got to spend time with him and I've got to commune with him and I've got to let him help me. We've got to let him help us. So here in this new year, I want you to make an, an dis, a qualified decision that I will yield to the help of the Holy Spirit. I will yield to the help of the Holy Spirit regularly. I will yield to the help of the Holy Spirit purposefully. That I'm going to set up my schedule for my life to include giving him time to pray through me, for me, edifying me, strengthening me, because he won't do it against our will. Amen. We have to choose. We have to desire. We have to embrace, and we have to yield to him. But he's available. He's willing. He's never too busy to help us. He's never, he's never uh, occupied and, and out to lunch. He's always available. But he's such a gentleman. He's not going to force us. Amen. Hallelujah. Say this with me. Father, Father I, yield I yield myself to the help of the Holy Spirit. I need his help. I need what he brings to my life. Help me to value this help by yielding by purposefully giving my time and my attention to pray in the Spirit. Now before we move away from this, I want to offer, is there anyone here who has not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? If that's you and you would say, Pastor Michelle... I mean, I'm looking around here, and I, for the most part, I know everybody in this room, and I know that you are walking with God, but I don't know if you are filled with the Holy Spirit or if maybe you need a refilling with the Holy Spirit. So I want to ask Pastor Ron if you'll come, and, and let's just stand to our feet. If that's you, I want you to come from where you are and, and receive of him tonight. He is here to meet you at the point of your hunger and to respond to your desire for him. Just lift up your hands to the Lord and begin to worship him. And for those of you who haven't spoken in tongues in a while, this is a time for you to have a refilling and not to allow yourself to slide back into a place of, of coldness where he's concerned but that you keep a hunger in your heart to, to fellowship with him and to allow him to minister through you. And so he wants you to be filled and he wants you to be being filled. He wants you to be constant in your filling so that you live in the overflow. 
that you live in the overflow of these rivers of living water flowing out of your spirit. So if, if that's you today and you would say, Pastor Michelle, I need to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I've never uh, received of the baptism and I've never spoken tongues. Come from where you are. I believe that He is here to minister to you today. If you are one who, who needs that refilling, just right where you are, just begin to yield and let the Holy Spirit fill you again with that fresh, overflowing, living water out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Lord, we yield ourselves to you tonight. And Lord, we yield to the help of your Holy Spirit to minister your life through us and to us in this supernatural, spiritual way. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God.